What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Will Cole is the Chief Product Officer at Unchained Capital, and Parker Lewis is the Head of Business Development at Unchained Capital. In this conversation, we discuss the recent trend of corporations holding Bitcoin as a reserve asset on their balance sheet, the macro and micro trends driving this transition, why corporations are the next group of individuals to do this, how businesses can hold their private keys, and what Unchained is building currently. I really enjoyed this conversation with both Will and Parker, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Athletic Brewing. I love these guys. At Athletic Brewing, they're all about reimagining beer for the modern adult. Great tasting beer that happens to have no alcohol and be a mere fraction of the calories of even the lightest beers. That's right. If you're doing Sober October, you can still have beer just with no alcohol. Go check out Athletic Brewing. In today's modern, mindful, performance-driven world, there's just no time for hangovers. So with Athletic Beers, you now have the full relaxing ritual of drinking a great beer to wind down the day, do it with dinner, day drink, but you can do it all without derailing the rest of your day or week. If you're looking for a great beer for Sunday through Thursday nights, that's right, Sunday through Thursday nights, drink Athletic Brewing, and then go and drink your Bud Light on Friday and Saturday night, Sunday through Thursday, Athletic Brewing. Athletic's got you covered. Their beers have won awards on multiple continents, including the World Beer Awards Best Non-Alcoholic Beer multiple times. They've even won awards for full-strength beers. Go give them a try. You can go to athleticbrewing.com. And if you use code POMP25, POMP25, you'll get 25% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. And great news is now they accept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So anybody who supports Bitcoin, we want to support them. Head on over to athleticbrewing.com. Use code POMP25 for 25% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. Lastly, don't forget that I read a daily letter to over 75,000 investors about business, technology, and finance. I break down complex topics into easy-to-understand language while sharing my personal opinion on various aspects of each industry. You can subscribe at pompletter.com. Again, pompletter.com. All right, let's get into this episode with Will and Parker. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang, super excited. I've got a two for one today. I've got Will Cole and Parker Lewis from Unchained Capital. What's going on, guys? Thanks for doing this. Hey, Pom. Hey, good to be back on the show, Pom. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Let's start with uh, with Parker, since you are a, a repeat guest. For those that didn't listen to the first episode, just give us kind of the two minutes on your background and how you got to Unchained. Yeah, uh, started my career in the traditional financial world, worked at Deutsche Bank in, in and around the financial crisis, kind of traditional, uh, both from investment banking to restructuring, ultimately worked for a hedge fund for a long time. That's really where I, I dug in and started to, to really see Bitcoin clearly. As soon as I did, I, I left the old world for the new world, ultimately ended up uh, at Unchained. And, and part of a big part of my story of getting to Bitcoin is actually Will and I go, go back to, to the days when uh, growing up in Austin. 
I ended up joining Unchained just about two years ago. I lead our business development efforts, and then I convinced Will to come on. I'll let him introduce himself, but uh, to come on and join us. Yeah, uh, thanks, Parker, and thanks, Pomp, for having us on. Uh, yeah, I got into Bitcoin relatively early on, uh, not really through professional means, but uh, through uh, I was living in New York City uh, uh, after the 2008 Ron Paul presidential run. There was a certain crowd that uh, got into Bitcoin pretty early on. Uh, my brother Napoleon actually uh, sort of led the led the way on the Bitcoin charge there. Uh, but my background's in product and engineering. Uh, I worked at Stack Overflow for the past eight years and uh, recently joined Unchained um, right after some of the Wyoming blockchain task force work that I was doing, decided that I should uh, put my, put my uh, you know, uh, mouth where my money is and, uh, and go all in here. And the obvious choice was to join Parker. We've not, we, we go way back, like he said, and uh, Unchained's been uh, a great place to work. Awesome. And uh, maybe you guys can give us just a quick overview. What exactly does Unchained do? about Unchained is, is really creating a financial services company for people that hold Bitcoin and thinking about um, what the financial services world will look like in a, in, a, in a world that's built primarily around Bitcoin. And, and ultimately for us, that means building on top of keys and helping, you know, from a custody perspective, both individuals and businesses hold their own Bitcoin and us helping them both from a technology standpoint. And then uh, we, we, what we refer to as collaborative custody, we'll hold one key in a client's quorum. But then thinking about that as the foundation, our, our custodial foundation, and then we build financial services on top of that, that custody layer. Um, today, it's, it's lending against Bitcoin. We're uh, quickly expanding an OTC offering. We want to expand that to more states. But really just thinking about Bitcoin as money and the service to sit alongside money is naturally financial services. And it's just a matter of, I think the thing that differentiates uh, Unchained in that equation is how we facilitate custody and then how we layer on top financial services. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And so obviously, uh, we wanted to do this because there has been this uh, surge in interest in businesses holding Bitcoin after uh, kind of a couple of businesses, probably MicroStrategy is the most famous, uh, have decided to take a majority of their balance sheet uh, that currently sat in dollars and convert that to Bitcoin and start using Bitcoin as a reserve asset. Maybe, Will, you can touch a little bit on just uh, how you guys have seen the interest from companies um, and kind of your view of this new trend that's popping up of, of companies converting that uh, balance sheet capital to Bitcoin with a reserve asset. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of this is really Parker's, you know, domain, right? Is uh, they're looking at it from a macro sense where uh, they're looking at all their dollars sitting on their balance sheet and wondering, you know, you had uh, Sailor on here, he did a great job. And seeing that melting ice cube and wondering what what the hell am I doing with 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 all these dollars sitting here, we need to, we uh, looked into gold, looked into real estate, and finally landed on Bitcoin. Um, I do think that we're going to see a lot more companies uh, take that route, but you know, obviously, Sailor had uh, a pretty sophisticated, you know, long view of this, right? And it's going to take some people to uh, some time to catch up. And the way I, I see it is that they're going to be looking at Bitcoin for its unique properties, uh, both as money, but uh, also you know the way you can hold Bitcoin, the way you can actually own Bitcoin differently from uh, the ways that you hold traditional assets and you know in Treasury. Um, and I think the challenging thing that businesses are going to find is sort of merging this idea of the way their current financial controls and corporate governance works with you know 
Bitcoin and what makes Bitcoin special? Like, how, how, how am I supposed to hold it? Uh, and how do I do it in a way that, um, that takes advantage of Bitcoin's unique properties? Um, I, you know, personally, I see some other things, uh, you know, happening, you know, like some of the uh, really strong qualities of Bitcoin around censorship resistance, that uh, if you see a company being deplatformed for any reason, you know, it's not just, you know, being demonetized on YouTube or something like that. You could have other financial services that refuse to do businesses, business with you. I mean, hell, you know, Bitcoin companies know that more than anyone in the fiat world, having trouble getting banking relationships, you know, over the past 10 years. Um, and that. Uh, and that um, as you know, more and more people see the values of Bitcoin as money and start digging into those really core things, the censorship resistance, the monetary policy, that it's going to hit them over the head pretty quickly, um, that they have to move some of their treasury into this, or they're going to see from the demand side of their employees or their customers that they have to start transacting in Bitcoin in order to um, perform their normal day-to-day -day operations. Parker, anything to add in terms of the macro? Yeah, I think one of the things that I would add, and we'll touch on it, but the you know, the, there, I think there's two paths converging to one, which is Bitcoin is inherently, or at least coming around to it and seeing it as money, is an inherently individual process. I think um, the the case of MicroStrategy is interesting, and I think it, it it's particularly important, and probably think a lot of people that are paying attention day in day out to Bitcoin um, recognize its importance. But it, it, it was it was probably in the most public way um, an example of multiple individuals having to at the same time emerge into a consensus. Um, but that also recognizing that the that the the foundation of that is is each individual in that boardroom or so, a CEO of a company coming to that conclusion. But the more and more individuals that we know every day are kind of something's unlocking and being able to see Bitcoin recognizing that the businesses are an extension of individuals and so that there there will be this natural progression that you know as you know and typically everybody has you know kind of cash that they manage personally and then cash they manage as part of their as their business and when you think about your current kind of banking suite if you're just thinking about the fiat world you generally want to deal with both of those things in the same place and that kind of naturally, you know the longer that you're in Bitcoin or if you if you kind of started to pay attention four years ago then you know, three years ago, two years ago, then you, you come around to this idea that you're not just speculating, you actually want to earn in Bitcoin, and then you start to think about your business as an extension of it. So I think that path is one where just as more and more individuals hold Bitcoin, then they're thinking as as their business is an extension of themselves, that they need to be holding it um, kind of kind of through through an entity. And we've seen that through Unchained. It's part of what the inspiration for kind of our business accounts were that we'll talk about later, but that, you know, not the micro strategies of the world, but small businesses that just hold Bitcoin as individuals and have started using our application uh, to actually facilitate custody of their own Bitcoin. The second piece of that that I think is key that someone like Michael Saylor keyed in on that more and more businesses are touching on is the $3 trillion that the Fed printed. And that I think that a lot of businesses knew that, that, that things didn't make sense, but when you, it's like the Band-Aid ripping off. When you print $3 trillion, you, people can no longer ignore that fact. And I think, you know, as Will mentioned, but, you know, kind of to Michael Saylor's world, the melting ice cube, um, I think that the interesting thing was he specifically pointed kind of that idea out, but that he also pointed out that if you, 
if you start to come around to Bitcoin and you start to understand it, there's no way that you only put 1% of your money in it and that it's it's not a hedge, it's, it's an actual strategy. And so it's kind of the combination of that macro landscape of the Fed printing $3 trillion versus just a function of knowledge distributing and those individuals recognizing that their businesses have the exact same problem that they have as an individual. Yeah. And so maybe talk a little bit, uh, either one of you could take this just in terms of this almost like micro type situation where, okay, I decide, yes, as an individual, Bitcoin is for me. Now I realize my business has the exact same problem. I've got to convert to the reserve asset as Bitcoin. Uh, what are the challenges that I have as a business that maybe I don't have as, a, as an individual? Like, what, what are the different things that I'm thinking about from a business perspective? I'll take the first part of this is that, you know, from a business perspective, you're not managing the Bitcoin on your own. It's not, it's not, it's not your money. It's the business's money. So you, you know, as a business, you have certain financial controls, corporate governance, you know, many people in many positions who are in charge of managing that treasury, managing cash flows, payroll, you know, all those types of things. And the challenge is looking at Bitcoin and wondering like, you know, are there the tools you know, the same type of accounting tools uh, and uh, uh, tools that facilitate these financial controls available to me um, in the Bitcoin world. So even if you've taken that leap and you've decided like, okay, our, our company has a reason to, whether it's hold in treasury or use for, you know, payments or vendors or you know, whatever it is, um, do, do we have the sort of software layer and uh, uh, to facilitate all the different use cases that we have? And usually what that means is that you, you, even in the fiat world, you don't want to have single points of failure in your business to say someone can just run off with, with, with our money, right? And in the fiat world, you do that solely on the sort of software financial controls with a, you know, uh, you know, third party, you know, bank and, you know, accounting software, things like that. But in the Bitcoin world, it, it's a little bit different. Uh, you, you have some of it built into the protocol already. So with Bitcoin's native multi-sig, for instance, it's built specifically so you can have multiple people help secure assets, Bitcoin, right? And um, that native multi-sig, though, can only take you so far because it doesn't know about people and your role in the company. It just knows that people that show up with certain information and that information combined allows people to spend from an address to somewhere else. So what you are looking for as a business is something that sort of takes that native multi-sig, right? Something that Bitcoin has and you, you can really trust and it's been vetted and verified by, you know, you know experts around the world and uh, has never, you know, sort of failed. Um, and you want to, you know, combine that with the financial controls that you're used to in the fiat world. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that people have to get over. And one of the things that we're thinking about a lot um, as we build out our, you know, business accounts and, and corporate strategy at, at Unchain Capital. Yeah, and how much of this, uh, maybe Parker, is like you try to rebuild the existing world just for Bitcoin, right? And, and kind of take a carbon copy versus build something that is uh, unique to Bitcoin. And it's more of let's educate the business owner or the individual on this new world rather than we have to make it look identical so that that's the only way they'll be comfortable. Yeah, so I, I think that's a really good. I think that's um, what's happening right now is, is a, is a kind of to to a large degree, or to to you know in many ways a push and pull right between the old world and and the new world. And I think that um, you know at least the way that we think about it is starting from the first principle of security of what will actually result. Bitcoin is a new technology. Like, what are the chances that 
you know, the best way to secure Bitcoin, whether for an individual or for a company, is identical or very similar to the structure that um, it's securing a fiat currency that's controlled and cleared through a central bank. That very likely, because it's a different form of money and it's a different technology and moving it um, occurs via different means, um, and that there's a, a different degree of finality to it, that, um, and that there's a different way that you can store it, that, that naturally that that would be different. But realistically, because we also live in, in, a, in a world of reality, is that companies have, you know, for regulatory purposes, for compliance purposes, for audit purposes, um, especially the larger that you go up in the chain and the more constituents that there are that are part of a company, that that old world begins to say, hey, we've been doing this a certain way and it, it's difficult for us to deviate from, uh, we, we, need, we need to create this box and make it look like the box that everyone's used to, to, to looking at because there's, there's so many people that have their hand in, 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 kind of in this wheel. And I think that one of the things that, that, you know, kind of where we break the mold at Unchained is we say, hey, that 30 or 40 year old regulation that was form fit to a different financial system, like, yes, we need to be able to replicate certain parts of that such that financial controls can exist the same way that they, they do in the current world, such that compliance can exist the same way, such that it can be audited and, and, and likely to, a, to a, a greater degree in Bitcoin because you have, you, you know, you can actually prove that you have Bitcoin or that you have keys to it, you really can't prove if you're, you know, the squares of the world or the Googles of the world that those dollars actually exist. You can only, you're, you're only relying on the trust of somebody else. And, and so what we do is we try to look at the, the equation and say, there, there is a security element about Bitcoin. We need to be cognizant of all of those things that are important to various different businesses that, you know, kind of, I, I think about in three primary bucks, financial controls, regulatory compliance audit, or really four. And that, but that building those type of structures and, and, and making something like that kind of legacy apparatus work on top of Bitcoin key. So it's like, it's really, it's not necessarily, you know, what we are building is a hybrid, but it is a push and pull between uh, making a box look like something that the banks and, and companies are comfortable with, but not casting away the, the properties that really deliver the ultimate degree of security in Bitcoin, which is private keys. I love that. I, 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 I want to take that one step further too, Pom, it, which is, you know, it's Bitcoin's native multi-sig. The only reason you, I mean, it is actually really well built for companies and the, and the, and, and the collaboration that companies need around their finances. And if you're not using Bitcoin's native multi-sig and you're using something else, you know, whatever it is, because it has to form fit to a hundred different digital currencies or because it's the legacy system that you're using, you're not getting the full benefits of using Bitcoin. Yeah. What's really interesting to me about this is there is uh, people in the legacy system that are trying to almost adopt Bitcoin into their system. And I think you guys are highlighting like that may not be the best for Bitcoin and also that may uh, not allow businesses and individuals to use Bitcoin the way that it was designed and kind of benefit from all of the properties it has. Um, as you think about Bitcoin as this unique asset and building that hybrid model, so it's, it's close enough to what they're used to so that they're comfortable, but it also still kind of protects and empowers all the properties of Bitcoin. Where does the adoption 
innovation come from at the business level? Is this uh, the smallest companies in the private market, kind of you know small businesses owners that are, are looking at this problem? Is this more maybe kind of mid market type companies that um, you know, have larger balance sheets and so it's more top of mind for them than maybe a small business that doesn't have that large balance sheet? Or are we talking about full fledged you know uh, Google or Facebook's going to go do this uh, you know in the short term? Like like where do you guys see kind of adoption coming from? And what's the sequence across the the business environment? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that there, it's interesting because you know wh- one of the ways that that I think Bitcoin has existed to date is that it gives the it gives the smaller guy the first bite at the apple, um, and so I think that part of that is because when you think about the size of Bitcoin and the relevance of it, it's like you know currently Bitcoin has a total value of roughly two hundred billion dollars, and that's kind of less than the cash that Apple, Microsoft, and Google hold combined. Right. So it's so when you think about just like, um, you know, it's it's meaningful to a company like MicroStrategy that has a one point three billion dollar market cap. But, you know, a company like Apple that has 90 billion of cash or Microsoft, that has got, you know, above 100 billion of, of cash and short term investments or the Googles of the world that, you know, when they're thinking about meaningfully allocating to it, it's almost that Bitcoin needs to be worth more to then more meet to, to, to take a to take a more significant stake. If, if Google wanted to go shift over five billion dollars. Bitcoin would be really hard to do now. So I think real, and then, so that's part of the equation, but then the other part of the equation for why I think the, the um, and really where our, our platform is tailored to, but it will continue to improve is small and medium-sized businesses. You just have less people and less decision makers. It's a lot easier for small and medium-sized companies to, to be nimble and to, to move quickly. You know, in the case of MicroStrategy, you had, you know, I don't want to say it's just one guy, but you had a CEO that, that formed a view, and that then he, um, you know, had his board and other executives within the company, you know, kind of go go down that rabbit hole and, and become convinced. The, the larger the companies you have, and the, and the the more that those are, you know, kind of are institutions, that the more people that have to contribute and get on board and become comfortable. And so I think for 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 the, the reasons of a decision making standpoint, but then as a a market opportunity standpoint and, and, and how and why Bitcoin is valuable and whether somebody can kind of take a meaningful share of their balance sheet and allocate it over to Bitcoin. It just naturally, I think, starts with the small to medium-sized businesses and then works its way up uh, to, to the, the Microsofts, Googles, and the Facebooks. But I don't think tomorrow you're going to see those companies starting to fall over. You are going to see, as we've seen with Square, um, and I think PayPal is soon to be releasing uh, a similar type app where people can buy Bitcoin, that those companies, even the large cap companies that are touching Bitcoin, they are going to start to hold Bitcoin on balance sheet to facilitate their business, whether they're meaningfully at, you know, moving treasury assets over, I think it's probably something that will follow that. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, one of the problems that I hear from business owners or, or uh, one of the obstacles they see is they say, hey, I want to have access to uh, a liquid currency. Uh, Bitcoin solves that. Um, that. That's great. But it's super volatile, right? And so how do I plan my business around one day I've got you know $100 million, the next day I may have $96 million uh, kind of on my balance sheet. How do you guys talk through that obstacle and maybe some others that people may have that are unique to Bitcoin? Um, um, that that don't reside with the U.S. dollar. Like, like, what's that talk track like, and how do you really educate people uh, on the pros and cons of Bitcoin? Yeah, the uh, there's a couple things there. Like, first of all, is there's different reasons that the business might want to have Bitcoin. Like the Treasury asset, you know, that that Michael Saylor is talking about. You have to 
really be bought in and understand the volatility and have a very long time horizon uh, in mind in order to make that jump. Um, however, you know, if a business has customers um, that are, you know, there's lots of businesses that have to hold Bitcoin on behalf of their customers in the financial services world and just the on-ramp, off-ramp world. But there's also if you have any debt or obligations denominated in Bitcoin for any reason. If you're selling, if you're selling things, if you have payroll denominated in Bitcoin, then uh, if you're using that as a unit of account uh, for those debt obligation or for those vendor relationships or payroll, then the volatility doesn't hit you as hard, right? Because you are your contracts are in. Bitcoin, not in dollars. Um, and as that starts to become more normal, and it's not normal right now, don't get me wrong, but there are businesses that have those types of obligations, then you're forced to you know, have Bitcoin on your balance sheet to meet those obligations. That's one of those things that's just going to creep up on people. The Bitcoin volatility as it's smoothing out, as, <clears throat> as we have more halvenings, um, that, uh, that, that's exactly what will sort of cause that type of adoption. So, so, so. One, one other thing I would add there too, from a macro standpoint, um, it's kind of like merging, like always thinking about, or at least the, the way that I like to contextualize it is always thinking about the, the convergence of the individual to the business. Because, and I think Pompey, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you make this point that in many ways, volatility can be your friend, right? And that there's a, there's a difference between store of value and volatility and those two things are not mutually exclusive. And that just as individuals deal with the volatility, um, and Michael Saylor was also somebody that, that talked about this key point is I, my business is generating cash. Um, and, and I know in various different scenarios, all weather, I'm going to be generating cash. I'm figuring out how to preserve the value that I've already created today, but doing that in a world where I'm protected in all weathers. And that's the same, that, same way that individuals think about it. And I think me personally, that what I convert over to Bitcoin, I'm doing in a way where I'm never planning to convert those back to dollars. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of managing my own personal balance sheet in a way where I'm always going to have the number of dollars that I need and increasingly shifting my, you know, kind of internal treasury over to Bitcoin. And that, you know, in many ways, you know, the other thing that I, from the macro standpoint that I would bring up is, you know, look at what happened in March, right? You know, and, and just, and if you, it's interesting because if you look, if you look at the, the balance sheets of Apple and a company like Microsoft, you'll, you'll notice that, they're holding a relatively smaller amount of cash than they are cash and marketable securities. And so what those marketable securities are typically, so like, uh, you know, kind of don't quote me, but it's around the order of magnitude of like, Apple's got, you know, say 30 billion of cash and 60 billion of, sh of short-term marketable securities. What those are typically treasuries or investment grade credit, right? So investment grade credit dropped 25% in in March, along with high yield. So, and then if you look at if you look at Microsoft, it's similar. Like they're actually holding a smaller amount of cash, and they're dealing with the same problem that the Michael Saylors of the world are dealing with. And they're they're not just holding cash; they're moving it into investments, whether it be in T bills or Treasuries or or other corporate debt. And so they, they may, I think, they're probably underestimating the, the the fact that volatility can also arise in those traditionally non-volatile um, assets. In a bad way, and what they're looking at in Bitcoin is the volatility has generally been your friend in Bitcoin. There's fundamental reasons why that that is, and if you're managing your balance sheet in a way where your business is generating cash, you're building up more and more allocations to not just cash, but then figuring out how to split that allocation between Bitcoin and 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 dollars or you know euros or yen. That naturally, the, the way that you think about managing that treasury for your business is the same way that all individuals today in Bitcoin have to deal with it. 
Yeah, what, what's really interesting is um, kind of you know that you're going to guarantee loss over the uh, long term when it comes to dollars, right? Like the, your purchasing power is going to significantly decrease. Uh, with Bitcoin, it has only increased over long periods of time, and I think that you guys, like I, you know, believe that that's a trend that is uh, only getting started. And so uh, it really does come down to kind of just what is your belief in in terms of these two assets, uh, and then also what is that time horizon, right? I think Parker uh, in the first episode we did just like really lowering your time horizon, right? And, and frankly, uh, in the private markets, I think one of the advantages people have is they're not just looking at the next quarter, right? And kind of what's that earnings call and kind of how do I manipulate um, you know, my, my uh, reporting so that the stock price kind of continues to stay inflated and, and go up. Uh, private business owners have a significant advantage here, right? They can do that long-term planning. Talk a little bit about how you guys um, interface with uh, the legacy system, right? So another thing that people will kind of talk about uh, that I hear a lot is like, hey, it's really hard to buy a lot of Bitcoin. Right. And so you, you described kind of an OTC desk, some of the other things that you guys may be doing, but just how do you see if a business does have a large balance sheet or, or throws off a lot of cash, they're not likely wanting to buy, you know, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, right? They're not going to go and kind of let a market order rip on Coinbase uh, either. And so kind of how do you guys think about serving those types of needs uh, in that financial service bucket of your customers? Yeah, the way we're looking at it right now is, yeah, we're, we're running kind of an OTC style size, you know, $50,000 minimum type buys, uh, both for individuals and businesses. And when you look at, you know, whether you're an individual or a business trying to, you know, manage your personal treasury or your corporate treasury, we are trying to connect all the pieces you might need in order to, you know, sort of fulfill that dream, right? So if you're a smaller business and you're trying to duplicate what Michael Saylor did, then we can help you both, you know, that on-ramp from turning your fiat into uh, into Bitcoin, but also solving that custodial problem from the very beginning. And of course, where we're coming from on the custodial side is that we want you to participate in your key management, right? Um, and so, yeah, we can help you obtain the Bitcoin, uh, but more importantly, we can help you keep it secure once you have it on your balance sheet and we can help map your current financial controls to something that works with Bitcoin on our system. Um, so when when we think about that, it's you know who has access to the physical keys and the physical world, that's up to you. We have no control over that. But once you want to manage that, we're your partner, we're your software coordinator, we're your wallet coordinator that can uh, allow you to set different permissions for different people, whether it be you know types of things that we're working on right now. You know, Imagine that you want someone to be able to author a transaction, but not necessarily be able to sign a transaction or be able to sign a transaction, but not actually be able to broadcast that transaction. Those types of controls controls are not something that's native to Bitcoin's protocol. So we can provide the interface that allows you to set up those types of controls for your business and then, you know, take advantage of Bitcoin's native multi-sig, um, you know, with a two or three quorum, um, maybe, you know, other quorums in the future to uh, split up those private keys. But always what we would, uh, you know, suggest to companies is to take advantage of the fact that you can, in this world, participate directly in the ownership of the currency and you should be holding private keys just like we preach that to individuals. Yeah, Parker, anything to add there? The only thing I'd really add there is um, kind of like one of the, one of these core ideas, I think that um, a lot of us as individuals experience this, not, not to a person. I think we're also um, you know, both individually, myself and Will, and also as a, as a company at Unchained, we, we recognize that there's uh, going to be a range of solutions and that there's no one size fits all, um, but that 
in the current legacy world, we effectively live where both as individuals and as companies, by default, we must take the counterparty risk of another institution. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, if we want to send dollars kind of over the internet or digitally or clearly to the Fed, ultimately we're relying on, on a bank to do that or an extension of a bank to do that. And that in Bitcoin, we don't, we, even though we recognize and expect that there are going to be um, full custody options and there'll probably be like a more um, kind of tailored managed service that looks identical to, to the legacy banking system, that there needs to be solutions that, um, that do not require other institutions or businesses to have to take the counterparty risk of other businesses by default. And that one of the things when we're interfacing with businesses is helping, you know, kind of from a white glove standpoint, but really, you know, sometimes from just a, a consulting standpoint, even though we don't separately charge for it, it's helping them because we deal with all these problems ourselves of how we manage private keys internally. Now, there's certain things that we can't disclose for security reasons, but what we provide those businesses with resources to help them get over that hurdle of, okay, if I want to store these keys, how do I do it? What are the best practices? Um, and then and then we have our software application that, that allows them to do that in a world that feels more akin to something that they're using kind of in a traditional banking suite today. But then I think to your point too, it is kind of helping be that bridge from the fiat world in terms of currency conversion increasingly. But then once they come over into our world, giving them the tools that if they were managing their treasury in Bitcoin, and they have all those same tools that they need. And then as the applications for Bitcoin evolve, we'll be layering on additional services. So today it's helping people just hold on to that Bitcoin as a group of people, which is a, a problem if they're dealing with Bitcoin keys that was not solved. And, and today I wouldn't say it is solved, but we're taking great strides through the release that we just had last week and we'll continue to improve it. But then naturally the, those businesses are going to be buying and selling things in Bitcoin. So whether it's be helping you know Bitcoin companies that are holding their own keys run BTC pay servers or um, you know helping them facilitate payment of payroll that we we're just thinking of that world that individuals run businesses, businesses have individuals. For those that need to store their own private keys or want to or don't want that counterparty risk by default, that they can and we can kind of just as Bitcoin evolves, we'll be layering in those services and we recognize that it's not just going to be happening overnight. There's going to be a logical progression from individuals to businesses to payments to payroll, that, it, that those things will all be kind of natural and we'll need to replicate them. But that when we're interfacing, in many ways, we think of ourselves as, as, the, as the partner for these businesses in Bitcoin and, and we'll be helping them solve all of their personal business needs. How close are we to people paying their employees in Bitcoin? Like, is that something that seems, you know, short term or is that something that we got still work to do hey expensify had at least used to have an option to uh uh, uh get paid back in bitcoin for, for whatever expenses you're uh reporting so um you know I, so enough people are doing it already right um but uh no i mean I, I think it's just going to be a demand side. Uh, enough individuals, uh, you know, negotiating that into their contracts will probably start at smaller businesses. We, you know, we've seen it with plenty of them. I think Blockstream sort of famously did that from day one that you could negotiate part or all of your um, salary in Bitcoin. Um, that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see that keep on popping up. And I, and I especially think it will pop up. Uh, you know, the adoption curve in the financial services world, right? You know, the OCC news, Wyoming's SPDI stuff is that you're seeing businesses that are banks and financial service uh, providers that are getting the demand from their customers that they want to hold Bitcoin, transact in Bitcoin for a myriad of reasons. And, and 
um, that those companies themselves who are already you know in the in the financial world are going to sort of lead that demand and the individuals that are part of those companies will lead that demand. Got it. And, and so as you guys think about uh, what's going on in Wyoming, talk a little bit about that, Will. I know you've got uh, a whole bunch of uh, information there, but uh, share what you can in terms of just like what's going on and kind of how popular that'll be and what the advantage is. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I, that's how we met, right? Was in Wyoming last year, and uh, that was when the you know sort of SP, the final bits of the SPDI um, uh, legislation was coming together. So yeah, I, I was uh, particularly involved last year, but um, you know, just in the last few weeks, we got the big news, which is Kraken uh, got the first. <clears throat> excuse me, banking charter for a special purpose depository institution in the state of Wyoming. And uh, I think this is a bigger deal than, you know, even though people made a big deal of it on Twitter, um, you know, there are dozens of applications uh, uh, that are still, you know, waiting to go through. We're, we're going to see them trickle out here. And um, this is a really big first step. And I think that, you know, where a lot of the problems have been just getting, you know, in a free market to compete with currencies, you know, we want Bitcoin to compete on a free market level. We need uh, jurisdictional certainty um, that the financial services and bank type uh, companies um, to exist in order to allow Bitcoin to compete on an even footing. And Wyoming is essentially you know, selling sovereignty here. It's a big deal what they're doing here, uh, not just creating the new corporate formation of a special purpose depository institution, which is in essence a bank charter. Uh, you are eligible for membership in the Federal Reserve Group of Banks if you're an SPDI. But um, it's also, you know, those connections to the fiat world that'll allow these Bitcoin businesses to grow and not have to go through all the hurdles that, you know, Every single exchange, every single financial services company, every single payment processor had to jump through. Uh, being a bank in the United States is a really big deal. It also really helps on the custody side, where you know there's kind of this gray area of digital asset and Bitcoin custody. Um, you know, there's a lot that's been going on in South Dakota, but we know that these are you know rules that are set by the SEC on what's considered to be a qualified custodian, and then the state banking commissioners are the ones that actually force that. And that could, you know, that, that's, a, that's kind of a gray area right now. And Wyoming has provided absolute certainty through these, uh, uh, through their legislative groups. And not only did they do the, the corporate formation of the SPDI, they also set up a chancery court, um, which means that they're going to have precedent and legal, you know, sort of backing the same way Delaware did with LLC. Little known fact, Wyoming actually invented LLCs and then got kind of outflanked by Delaware because they set up the courts and they got all the sort of precedent and uh, sort of certainty that businesses needed in order to incorporate there. Wyoming really has that going for them with the SPDI. It's really the killer app of, um, of uh, corporate formation and, and why you would want to do business there. It's really cool what they're doing. <laughs> like, I think yeah. that's been my big takeaway is like, not only is it just impactful um, and kind of really serves as this uh, this foundation for a lot of people, uh, I think that it's just absolutely uh, something that is so ambitious and courageous uh, and it takes special people to go do it. So it's pretty cool to kind of watch that all come together. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one thing that I would add to that too, because it's, you know, knowing that, knowing the work that, you know, kind of, uh, People like Caitlin Long and Tyler Lindholm, and there's others um, on the the you know, Wyoming Blockchain Task Force. Join uh, Will was on it last year, but that you know it was three four years in the making. 
right? And they 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 did they put in all the legwork and and it really laid the foundation for a, one of the largest crypto exchanges to become a bank and to to do that in Wyoming. And so it's just a testament to a lot of those the work that those people put in. But now you're seeing like just probably equally as big around the same time as the OCC news, basically saying, hey, you know, if you're a nationally chartered bank, it's okay to custody Bitcoin and giving that green light. And and since then, we've already had an inbound from from a, a Texas-based bank that's interested in providing Bitcoin custody. So I think you know, like the 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 trend around kind of this aggregate of you know kind of all the things that are happening from crypto exchanges becoming banks, banks looking to you know custody Bitcoin, public companies starting to hold Bitcoin, all of this you know, kind of positive momentum kind of feeds off itself. And I think that you know we're, you know I, I don't think that it's probably getting the attention in the mainstream that it is, but that's just natural with Bitcoin. But that in six months, probably every not every bank, but you know most banks will figure out that they need to have a Bitcoin strategy, and, and increasingly um, large companies will be thinking the same thing. You asked earlier, Pump, about like what's going to drive this adoption. What do businesses actually need? I think about it like a sort of three-layer stack, right? You need the regulatory and sort of the jurisdiction that's going to give you certainty that your business can operate as a going concern and the rug's not going to be pulled out for you. Wyoming is providing that, right? They're leading the way and the state other states are going to copy them. Like they're going to copy them almost exactly just like they did with LLCs. Then you need to actually be attracted to uh, an alternative to US dollars, yen, you know, euros, right? And Bitcoin's providing that. And lastly, you need all the connections, right? You need the connections of your uh, corporate strategy and corporate governance to that core protocol so you can operate you know, seemingly smoothly, like you would have in a in a fiat world, and that's what Unchained's trying to provide. And that stack there of jurisdictional cer- certainty of the core Bitcoin protocol and um, and software solutions like Unchained put together, that's what drives businesses to say we have what we need to make the leap. Yeah, I love that. I want to spend the last couple of minutes with both of you just outlining how you think that this um, kind of plays out over the next 10 years, right? Um, it's going to be hard to kind of uh, make a, a prediction, if you will, in terms of percentages of businesses or anything like that. But just how do we see 10 years from now the world in terms of uh, the businesses that have started to use Bitcoin as reserve currency, maybe what that macro economy could serve in terms of a tailwind potentially, um, and just kind of how you guys as a business um, you know, at least today are thinking about evolving to kind of continue to serve customers with those financial services as they adopt Bitcoin more and more over the next decade. You know, from, from my perspective, you know, the, I think we probably have a, a forward-looking view or, you know, a view that, that you know, um, that believes that business adoption is going to start happening a lot quicker, right? When we we literally were sitting around the table making the decision around these investments um, in early 2020, late 2019, um, recognizing that there was going to be this wave um, and that, that realistically, as it is with everything in Bitcoin, the infrastructure has to be built and in place in order for the wave to really happen. Um, and, and that that's happening in parallel to just more and more individuals finding out about Bitcoin and, and spending the time to learn about it and how they can utilize it to empower them in their own lives and in their business. So I think that that realistically, kind of, we have a view that is slanted to this happening far quicker. Um, I, I personally have a view that we're hyper-Bitcoinized in the, in the next 10 years. I think that, you know, that's, you know, kind of probably crazy to a lot of people, but it, it speaks um, I think mostly to how quickly both 
infrastructure is the pace of infrastructure being built and not just at Unchained, but at the, you know, kind of all the incredible things that are being built on top of Bitcoin by any number of people and just how quickly knowledge distributes. Um, and that, that, that is naturally kind of increasing by, by multiples, if not exponents. So, um, you know, in, in my view of the world, practically every business is holding Bitcoin in the next 10 years because they're going to be using it more on a day-to-day basis to, to facilitate, you know, kind of the, the commerce that we're used to facilitating with fiat currency. Yeah, I'd second yeah, I'd second that. Uh, you know, I think that you you mix in that with uh, uh, you know the power of having fifty states and the fifty states trying to outcompete each other to attract businesses, um, to uh, attract uh, talent to work there. Um, you know, Wyoming might have a head start, but it's you know in ten years everyone's going to be doing what Wyoming's doing. Like they, they are going to be copied. And uh, when you have those two things put together, um, the, you know, Bitcoin or those three things, Bitcoin at the core protocol layer, in- increasingly getting more secure, more hash rate, uh, more feature filled, um, that uh, you have more infrastructure being built um, on the sort of enterprise and business account layer. And you have these uh, 50 states out competing each other constantly that in the next 10 years, I think it would be uh, very rare for uh, companies not to have uh, exposure to Bitcoin, both on their balance sheet and, and in terms of their obligations to um, to uh, their you know their vendors and uh, people that work there. Absolutely. Um, to wrap up, uh, I just want to ask you both. There's going to be a lot of business owners that are listening to this, and kind of just maybe in sixty seconds or less, what's each of yours pitch to those business owners as to why they should um, take a look at using Bitcoin as the reserve asset for the balance sheet? I think it's the best way to preserve wealth. Um, I think that's the solution that or conclusion that um, that that a microstrategy came to. Um, Snap is another business. We have many businesses that are private that we wouldn't disclose the names of that are already doing that as well. Um, that that the, the short answer is yes, Bitcoin is volatile, but the, the fundamentals of Bitcoin dictate that that volatility be in your favor because everything is built on and the demand, fundamental demand for Bitcoin and the reason why it's the best way to preserve wealth. It is the only form of money that can verifiably provide you with a, a finitely scarce supply. Um, and that as more and more people figure that out, you're, you're looking at that equation, which is a finitely scarce supply with you know, a currency that can't be manipulated by anything that's entirely decentralized versus the melting ice cube. And knowing that volatility does not equate to a store of value and looking at the purchasing power of the dollar and knowing that it declines you know, two, 3% every year and knowing that the Fed has printed $3 trillion, but they're also going to have to print trillions more in order to sustain the credit system. And if you're a business that has cash on its balance sheet and that is generating um, quite a bit of cash to add on to that, that if you're not considering Bitcoin to be stored on your balance sheet and to be a, a treasury asset, you really should be thinking about it at the very least. And there's a lot of resources out there to, to go down the rabbit hole. I think that's great, Will. I would just say as uh, central banks around the world gleefully compete w- with each other to see who can debase their currency the most, that um, that Bitcoin is going to emerge as the only option. And uh, if you're a business owner and want any help going down that rabbit hole, um, you, you know, reach out to me. I love it. You guys are doing a fantastic job and obviously building products that people need. Um, where can people find each of you on the internet and where can they find out more about Unchained Capital? 
I'm at Parker A. Lewis on Twitter. So at Parker A. Lewis. Um, yeah, you can find us through Unchained. Our website's uh, unchained-capital.com. And, and like Will said, um, if you're a business or actually an individual, you know, we want to be there to help you with all your personal business needs. And if, if you're thinking about Bitcoin, uh, we have resources. There's a lot out there. I write a series. Um, it's on our blog called uh, Gradually Then Suddenly. You can learn about Bitcoin there, but if you if you have specific needs related to Bitcoin financial services, how to custody Bitcoin, yeah, please reach out. We're uh, I'm easy to find on the internet, on Twitter, or reach out through our website. Yep, and I'm uh, at Will Cole on Twitter, and yeah. Awesome, guys. Listen, thank you guys so much for doing this. This is fantastic. Uh, I highly suggest anyone who is uh, thinking about converting their balance sheets to using Bitcoin as a reserve asset, please reach out to Parker and Will. Uh, they're doing uh, fantastic work. They've got a great product that can help you. Uh, and generally, they are some of the most knowledgeable people in the space. So they can definitely um, kind of get you up the learning curve, help you understand the risks and, and how you can mitigate those with their products and, and uh, a little bit of education. So thanks so much, guys. I'll have to do it again in the future. Thanks, Pomp. Hey, really appreciate you having us on, Pomp.